Hey, podcast listeners, I had a chance to talk to Matt Goins of PuzzleHuddle.com. We had a really interesting conversation. We talked about a lot of things from why middle children seem to do well, uh, his experience at Howard, being that he is a three-time Howard grad, the diversity at HBCUs, why frat members are oftentimes successful, um, how to maintain a marriage when you're working together. We just talked about a lot of good things. I really think you'll get a lot of information out of this one. Uh, we got kind of detailed in building a business as well. So hope you get something out of this one. Uh, let us know at the end. Welcome to the HBCU Audio Experience. This is Todd Finley. I am here with Matthew Goins of Puzzle Huddle. Matthew, can you tell the people who you are and where you're from? Hi, uh, my name is Matt Goins. I'm, a, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, a couple cities in between uh, there and where I am currently in Sacramento. Uh, also spent a good amount of time in Washington, D.C. since I went to Howard, a few years in Portland, and now currently in Sacramento. What was it like growing up in Detroit? Detroit was, was fantastic. I, I think based on the, the trends with the auto industry, the, the the whole region kind of fell on some economic hard times. But when I was growing up in the 80s, man, Detroit was wonderful. Everybody was gainfully employed. You, know, you can make $100,000 working at the factory. And we just had a great middle class, you know, wonderful ride your bikes around the neighborhood kind of thing. Right. Now, do you get back often? No, not. Well, now I have a family of five. So we're talking about five, five plane tickets to touchdown in Detroit. So we usually we usually try to get there annually. So either Thanksgiving or Christmas, but normally that's about all we can do. That's still a good amount of time to get back once a year. Yeah, I I go back when it's cold. I don't know why that's (laughs) that's when I decide I want to go see Detroit is when it's freezing. It's amazing how thin your blood can get after being away from the cold for so long. Yeah. And when you live in California, you don't even maintain the wardrobe that you need to, to, to readjust back. So you got to buy, you know, thick socks, hats, you, know, you got to get all that stuff back in your inventory. Right. Right. Now, did you grow up with siblings? Yeah. Goodness. I'm, I'm one of four. So I'm the, I'm a middle child. So if, if there might be some literature on that that says <laughs> what the experience of a middle child is, uh, but I have an older brother and then two, two younger sisters. Okay. My mother was a middle child and she has complaints about it. But when I look at it and I've looked at it a little, not real deep, but halfway deep, middle children tend to do extremely well. Why do you think that is? Well, two two things that I, I walk away that I, they're, they're not advantages, but they're unique to me is, well, one, one of the downsides was you don't get anything new, but mo- most of my, my best clothes came from my older brother so if I ever got like a nice polo or nautical shirt it's probably right. because it was a hand down from our, from my older brother but I, I can also relate to my siblings since I'm in the middle my older brother's maybe he's taste too old to really relate to my younger sister because he you know he was going off to college but since I'm in the middle there's age proximity where you know I kind of vibe with all of my siblings I think better than if I was at one of the extremes that's true that, that does make sense now, so you went to Howard. Yeah, I'm a I'm a three three time three time alum. I got three three pieces of paper on the wall from Howard. All right, we're gonna get to that in one second. Now, your siblings went to Howard as well. 
Yeah, we we man, we were really uh, blessed. We there was um, at the time Ford Motor Company was investing quite a bit in uh, scholarships for students from Detroit. Uh, so mm-hmm. from Detroit to Howard, Ford Motor Company, Ford Motor Company put some money on the table. Uh, recruited my older brother first, um, me second, and then uh, then also my two siblings along the way. So we all went, you know, wow. uh, fairly supported with with scholarships and yeah, all all four of my parents' kids went to Howard. That's amazing. Now, did your parents go to an HBCU? No, they're they're from Michigan. They they met uh, in Michigan State. They're both Michigan okay. State alums. Okay, okay. Michigan State is cool. Now, what high school did you go to in Detroit? Man, the the, the high school I went to, I went to Cass Technical High School, which is like. Like big big shout out to Detroit. Like I love Detroit, and uh, you know I, I went to college with a whole squad of people from Detroit, so I, I I gained a lot of appreciation for some of the other high schools. Uh, but if you ask me, I went to the school. <laughs> I went I went to Cass Technical High School, which is downtown, biggest high school in the city, four three four thousand students, like the the place. I was gonna ask you, why is it so many people that go to HBCUs went to Cass Tech? Uh, it's it's a magnet school, so it's going to attract students from across the city. It's, it's different from a would be a neighborhood school where you're just going to go there based on proximity to you know, your, your address is close to the school. It, it draws students from across the city, and I'm sure there was some test scores and intake along the way that you had to qualify to get in. Uh, but there there were other good schools too, man. Re- Renaissance, Martin Luther King High School. Uh, you get a couple of HBCU students from. Yeah, so once I got to college, I kind of had to get out of my. <laughs> My school is is it, and nobody because I, I, I roommate it with a, a, a young man that went to Renaissance, uh, a rival high school in Detroit. So, okay, okay. And where is Cat? You said Cass is downtown Detroit. Yeah, right downtown. Okay, the so neighborhood all... has come around a little bit. It used to be called the Cass Corridor. Now they okay. calling it Midtown. But okay. <laughs> when I was down there, but the Cass Corridor was was something. Okay. Okay. And Chicago has something like that where most HBCU students went to either Whitney Young or Kenwood. Yeah, all day. All day. You meet somebody from Chicago, they done probably went to Whitney Young. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a and it's a magnet school, so I so I kinda and it's downtown. Yeah. So I, you know, that, I can see the parallels. Okay. So you went to Howard. Did you ever think about going to another school? Yeah, I applied when you're when you're a student in Detroit. Good chance you're just gonna apply to Michigan uh, and Michigan State. Michigan State's probably gonna come do on-site admissions at your high school, so everybody applies to Michigan State and, and University of Michigan. I applied to FAMU as well, um, but just having an older brother that was already at Howard not not that I had to follow my older brother, but it just made it a little bit more comfortable transition. Um, and then the scholarship in place kind of put things in place and, and sent me in a direction towards Howard. That makes a lot of sense. So what did you major in at Howard? I think I, I walked in the door as a finance major, but I, I don't think I really actually knew what that was. I, I, it, sound, it sounded like business, you know, money management-ish. So mm-hmm. I walked, but soon after I got a better understanding of what it was, I got out of that and I ended up graduating as a, a marketing major. Okay. Okay. That's pretty much how I came in, finance and, you know, and switched over to marketing. Now, while you were there, tell me about the HBCU experience and the experience at Howard. Man, just, just 
it's like it's like Disney World for 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 the for Black culture, Black America, but even like the global Black diaspora. It, it's got a nuance of everything. Uh, so if you think of all all the best experiences and components and elements of the Black diaspora, it's 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 sitting at Howard. So it, it's the best of everything, just socially, academically. Uh, spiritual development, relationship, it, man, it's just got it's just got goodness oozing and, and, and variety. I don't, I don't think HBCUs quite get credit for the, for the diversity that they represent. Because if you think Chicago, Florida, LA, Detroit, New York, very different environments, um, then you get your social economic variety. So you got you got people without a whole lot of money coming to campus. You got people whose parents got plenty of money walking up in Howard. And then once you put the global piece in, you got your African students from Ghana, Nigeria. I think Matt brings up an interesting point about the diversity at HBCUs. I totally agree. Before we go on and get into the meat of the episode, we're going to have a word from our sponsor. You know, Jamaica, it, man, it's, 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 it's diverse, man. I saw kids on the yard playing cricket. Like, <laughs> right. I'm looking at, like, what in the world? Y'all out here with a, what, what is this? <laughs> right. right. So it is, it's, it's diverse. And I think, and, and just oozing with high achievement across a range of different categories. Right. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Now on campus, were you an involved student or were you? Yeah, man. Interesting. I, w- I would likely be described as a choir person, but man, I, I I just I was addicted to joining, you know, the coolest organizations and trying to participate in, you know, the co-curricular experience. So I, I played in a marching band for a couple of years. Uh, uh-huh. so that, yeah, that was a good time. Um, joined the honor fraternity that was kind of known for uh, it, since I might have a listen. Let me just do five sigma pi for all my five sig folks. Uh, that was a good thing. The campus pals for my CPs out there. And then, then the Panhellenic uh, transition. I went out I'm Omega Sci-Fi as well. So, okay. so I, I was I was doing intake process <laughs> a good a good part of my uh, my college experience. The front half I was always doing new member intake. Right. Do you think going through multiple intake processes helped you? Yeah. Well, once you, once you get a sense, I think everybody's going to deal with it differently. But just just the sense of um like grit and resilience and you know man just focus and determination and discipline it, it really helped bake those uh skills in me so that you know I don't I just don't need much to be satisfied and I'm able to sit still and focus and be disciplined to get results across a range of different areas and I'm pretty sure those skills have transferred into the business as well yeah it's hard. it's a little intangible you can't quite name it, but I'm sure it's in there Okay. Okay. Now you say you joined Omega Sci-Fi. Yeah, two thousand one. Okay. Okay. Now, what? Why do you think fraternities are important, and why are so many fraternity members successful in their fields? And you think it's because of uh, the people that they select, or is it because of the fraternity that? kind of fosters and develops those different skills that make it skew successful when you talk about fraternity men. Yeah, well, any fraternity can only 
to some degree be a product of of the campus population. So right, so you're not gonna fly in new. You're not gonna go get special Navy SEAL black men to be right. So you, you you're going to get a cross section of the campus, uh, but you know, there's there going to be certain components of the fraternity, their, their, their themes, their messaging, uh, their representation that are going to pull uh, people that are interested in those things. Uh, so once you get those kind of like-minded individuals that are, are collaborating across things that they're all interested in, there should be some synergy in that, right? So when you partner with guys that are approaching mm-hmm. life the way you are and have the same determination and aspiration, like my fraternity is full of entrepreneurs. Like I got it, I, I didn't realize that had access to men that was just like, well, so-and-so's got several restaurants and -and so-and-so's got his own practice and -and so-and-so's got. So I learned so much through that, that network that, man, it it just added a a layer to my, 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 my whole life's experience uh, that was well worth um, the interest in the pursuit of, of membership. Right. Right. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So you were involved all through college. You graduated, and then what did you do immediately after graduation? I was, I was confused about what I. <laughs> uh, so my, my 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 super social disposition. Um, I wasn't at a point in my life where I was really ready to go go corporate and just the looking at the, the possibility to go and sit in somebody's office and in somebody's cube all day was just I didn't have a whole lot of interest in that at the time. So I, I dovetailed right just for, you know, for seeking a path. I, I kind of re-enrolled right back into a master's program just to give me a little time to, you know, fully bake my interests, figure out what I want to do and 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 develop to a point where, you know, employment, even if it meant sitting in a desk in somebody's office all day, because that was my perception of it. Uh, right. I, I might have a better appetite for it. Right. So you got your master's and what? It's uh, in communication, communication and culture. So it was mostly like an org- organizational development uh, kind of master's degree. And then after that, I, I thought I would pursue uh, a lifetime career in higher education. I got a job. I got a job at Howard uh, doing uh, student uh, student affairs and student student activities. So they g- given my past, it uh, opening happened where I could now become the advisor for the yearbook for the Greeks for homecoming. So I thought. Oh, this is it for me. Like I could do what I was doing as an undergrad. I could do this professionally. Uh, so that, so that man, that was that was like that was the thing for me. Like that, that was like I, I was set. I, I didn't need or desire to do anything different. Um, but a, a education sometimes at the very functional level has maybe well, it's going to have some income limits. So I, I got I wasn't always satisfied with my earning potential uh, working in education sector but not at the you know the the vice presidential level the provost level not working in a building uh so that is what helped me consider different career paths um and not just want to be hbcu as (laughs) the way i i I make made a living right right that makes sense now you said you have a a third degree as well So so then i came back i boomeranged around i went through the business school again and got an mba uh, which okay. set me up for um, a transition to a, a corporate career, uh, and I've been corporate for the last ten years. Now, so I heard in your intro, you said you went, you were had a couple stops, one in Portland. Yeah, well, my current employer, uh, their their original um, destination was I, I got my MBA, 
uh, and that the, the opportunity for me. And I, I graduated in 09, which was not a good year in the economy. So there, there was some challenges there uh, just in terms of employability, macroeconomic uh, trends. Uh, so, so I had a wonderful opportunity. It was in Portland. Did I know anything about Portland? Nope. But it's a good job, man. I'm, I'm headed to Portland. Uh, but Portland was cool. Like I had, I fooled around and had a great time in Portland. Three years, man, not a bored day in three years, man. We hung out, kicked it. Like we did our thing in Portland. Um, but then it's, look, uh, my love interest, uh, as that was developing um, in parallel, um, it, it just became appropriate in time. And I was getting excited about, you know, spending uh, more closely uh, building a relationship with my partner at the time. Um, so, so, I, so I got married and, and that, the requirements of that were, were incentives that I need to get out of Portland. So then I came to um, Sacramento, which is where I am now. Right. And they say a man isn't going to fully bloom until he's married. Do you, do you feel like that? Man, it's, it's been a huge enhancement for me. I, I, I have a level of focus. I just didn't have this focus single. Like, there's just no way. There, there were too many different things for my mind to wander to. Right. I, I think I'm thriving in a way now that I'm married that I not not to say you you can't do it without marriage because I'm I'm sure you could just be equal. anybody could do it. it marriage isn't going to be the thing that creates the success. But, man, if you got a great partner, you know, with the right person, man, my wife is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, man, I, I'm, I'm blessed that who, who I was able to marry and, and what we're able to do together. Yeah, I, I right. think I'm 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 achieving at a level that I probably wouldn't have been uh, if I hadn't married the person that I married. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my wife if she get a chance to listen, babe. Thanks. Right, that that's awesome. That's awesome. So we're in Sacramento now. Yeah, I'm in Sacramento right now. Corporate for eight or nine years, which is a really good thing. Yeah, and doing well in corporate, it, it, man. I was, you know, got my couple little promotions and 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 doing well, having uh, you know, Fortune five hundred, Fortune fifty, corporate progression. You know, make make a little more money. Got stock options and that kind of thing going on. So doing doing well in corporate. That's a big deal. That's a big yeah. Deal. It, it's it's that when I was in Detroit, is that I didn't I, I didn't have exposure to know of this reality, but. It, yeah, it's it been, but back back in the day, once you get your MBA, your MBA used to be a tool that was going to put you on a path that you you, you were generally going to do a little better for yourself. Um, so right. it, it happened for me that same way. Right, that's awesome. So me and corporate, when did it start to hit you that you wanted to start your own business? Well, I've I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, like so, I'm I'm one of these guys that some of these hallmark experience sets pushing bow pops in middle school. Um, I was I think Sour Patch Kids I think was my main thing. So between Sour Patch Kids and blow pops, man, I, I was making you know, twenty dollars a day in fifth and sixth grade. And you're from Detroit. If you're from Detroit and don't have a hustle, they're gonna take your Detroit card away. Yeah, and I used to get suspended for it, man, because you're not supposed to have a business in school. And it, so the teachers would confiscate my inventory, and then I'd be out, and I had I couldn't get to Sam's Club on my own, so I had to get my mom to take me to Sam's to get to get the bulk. And then, mm-hmm. and then you just learn a lot of business stuff, like nobody wants to you know the watermelons and the cherries sell best. Uh, nobody really wants them grape ones, so you try to hope you get more 
strawberries and cherries and anything else. So you, you learn a lot uh, trying to make a dollar fifty in sixth grade. And it's, and it's the same exact principles that that the biggest corporations have to have to adhere to. You're so good at that age because you're close to the customer and you really know what the customer wants. Once a lot of these corporations get too big and they stop knowing what the customer wants. So they're going to be buying a bunch of the blow pops that people don't eat. Yeah. And you're even able to get some grace with some of your teachers. If you offer them, you know, a couple free samples, Hey, this is for you. Uh, please don't, please don't tell the principal I'm up here. And, and, and I, my, my inventory used to get confiscated, but back then you didn't, you didn't complain to your parent and they came and, you know, demanded from the prince. Like I was scared to tell my parents that my stuff was taken. So exactly. every time I would get raided in my locker, then I would just, I'd just be out of that inventory. I'd give it two weeks and then I'd come back. Right. Right. And, you know, I always, I always kind of want to know someone's entrepreneurship origin story because it tells me a lot. If you haven't sold anything before 22, 23, like haven't just sold anything, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of principles that you need and it really has to be in you to be an entrepreneur because it's going to be so many hard things. If you're not passionate about it, it's not who you really are, it's going to be hard to be up at 10, 11 o'clock at night answering customer emails. You know, so I love to hear that origin story, especially with people that have already been entrepreneurs in their DNA. Yeah, I, I didn't I don't I don't even like the label entrepreneur now, so I certainly wasn't using it back then, but but I, I, I definitely saw that if I bought these blow pops, you know, I think the box was twelve bucks, twenty-five blow pops in here or something. I, I, I knew I, I knew that hey I, I can I can make a little McDonald's money out of this um selling these blow pops. Right. Because what is right. what does a kid in sixth grade need? I I, I wasn't earning enough to buy sneakers. Probably. I was just earning some comic book money at best. Right. And five, ten bucks, especially back then. That's a, that's a lot of Yeah, I was, I was a big thing, at least in my head. It may get you a couple meals. Yeah, man, I'd go buy me some baseball <laughs> cards or something. Whatever whatever I needed in sixth grade, I could go get it. Okay, so you already had entrepreneurship in your DNA. Was were there any was there anybody that you looked up to growing up that kind of exposed you to entrepreneurship, or is it something that you kind of got drawn no, to? Man, I, I did. I had a paper route for a little while. That was a certain a failed uh, enterprise, um, but I, I got a little more experience because my older brother had a paper route, so I thought I thought that was cool. So I tried to be like him and get a paper route too. Uh, but no. We, we weren't exposed to entrepreneurs. You, you using that label and term, I'm, I'm not sure that I knew any at the time. Uh, maybe if I look back and think really hard, there was some around me that I just didn't, you know, it, it slipped in my memory. But no, not in my household. My parents both had, you know, regular full time jobs. Mom's a teacher, uh, so no, 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 no entrepreneurs in the house. But some, somewhere it occurred to me to be interesting to sell things. Right. So it was just pro- probably pretty natural, you know. And, you know, just being in Detroit, everybody I know from Detroit has a hustle. Or if they don't have a hustle, whatever they do, they operate it like it's a hustle. And their life depends on it. And I love that about Detroit. Yeah, it's, you know, between putting speakers in our cars and, you know, selling the speakers that you your last year's speakers get you the rims, you know, you get you some new rims and then sell the last rims. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. 
even for the dog breeders, man, you get you, <laughs> you know, the neighborhood, somebody out there breeding some pit bulls or something. Everybody got a little something they into. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a, that's a cool thing. And then, you know, it's a place where it's a lot of black people and a lot of black people have historically done well. And I'm glad to see that it's back on track to get back, you know, to where it once was. Oh yeah. It, it's certainly uh, on an upturn in terms of development, investment and infrastructure. So certainly. So when did you and your wife get the idea to start Puzzle Huddle? Uh, somewhere in the process of having three kids. So right, right now today, uh, the kids are five, three, and one. Um, and as a new, as a new dad, you, you just kind of, kind of figure out what you, how you're going to interact with, with these new, with these new people in your house. Like, are you, are you, are you going to color are you going to, you know, do Play-Doh or what, like, what, like, how, how are you going to in- interact with these? So we, I went through all kinds of stuff. You know, first it was, I thought I was going to buy all these Legos, but, you know, you put Legos in front of a two-year-old, they're really just going to eat them. They're not trying to follow the instructions. And so it's, my wife accused me of buying the Legos. She's like, bro, these Legos is for you. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so after a couple of cycles of buying Legos, they're not trying to super glue them together so they couldn't mess up this car I just made. Uh, along the way, I discovered we finally, I don't know if we bought them or something, but they were a gift, but the kids got these puzzles and they, and you as a parent, you can really kind of see your kid's brain working as they're working through a puzzle. You know, you put a piece here, you got to get the colors, match the colors, turn this piece sideways. Okay, that's an edge piece. You you can't literally see a kid thinking like, but you can almost see a kid's brain working while they're working on a puzzle. So, man, that was just fascinating to me. So, 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 so new dad in classic new dad style, and I jumped on Amazon. I was like, "Let's <laughs> let's go get twenty. Like, let's let's get let's get all the puzzles they got. We let's you know we gonna get Nemo. We got Frozen, PJ Masks, or like all all the kid. These are just kid uh, uh, um, comic book properties. Um, but we bought all of them, Disney, everything. Um, but but somewhere in the process. So after I had you know a couple dozen puzzles. I looked around and just said, wait, like, wait, it's not black kids on none of these puzzles. Like, not like zero, like not a black face on none of them. Wow. So, so with my Howard thing, I was just like, no, like that's no, we reject that. Like, we're not, <laughs> that's not how we're going to do this. Like, hey. so, but just, man, just doing digging online, like, and I'm talking about deep into the Google, Amazon. It really just there's a lack of existence was what i found it wasn't just like you had to work hard to get them right and there you know every big uh media company has one african-american property so you so you got doc mcstuff is out here you got um disney has um princess tiana so every every big media company's got you know they're gonna offer you one franchise as brown skin characters but but that just does not capture the complexity of the african-american experience what we're interested in like suppose my little girl likes like she wants to be a race driver like okay where's my little black girl race driver Mm -hmm. so 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 now now i got to figure out how and it's it started with me because i was thinking about just my household i was just gonna cut these puzzles out of cardboard it's like okay i'll fix this give me some scissors print this thing out i'm gonna just i'm gonna go in the kitchen and make it which is not a good idea. You, <laughs> some of these puzzles I made is just terrible. They just terrible. 
but I was man, I was trying to I was trying to get you know black products in front of my kids, and uh, comparisons and cardboard seemed to be the way at the time. Right, right. Okay. So you saw that there weren't any puzzles out here with any with without any ethnic um, traces. What was your next step? Well, in the beginning, it it just didn't occur to me to be a a business, and it, and I I spent actually quite a few weeks or months trying to hand make puzzles, and at the point where I spent, you know, all day Saturday, all day Sunday on a puzzle like that, I couldn't sell it. I had to sell it for two hundred bucks. Like I, I spent two days working on this. I can't sell this to you for twenty dollars. Like this is two days worth of work for me. Uh, so it it, it never occurred it, in the beginning. It occurred to me to, to be a business. I was just trying to invent something for for my kids to play with. But something clicked along the way, and I just thought. Well, man, if my kids need one, you know, maybe what you call and they kids could probably want one too. They got a mm-hmm. little black baby at their house, a little cute little girl that might want to be a race car driver. Or... So, it's... and this is you know, over the course of having three kids, it just the thing kept kicking me because I kept having babies and they kept being in the puzzles and I kept not being able to find the black puzzles. Uh, right. so, so eventually, um, it just started to, the light bulb started to get a little brighter that, man, if I could just find a way to make 10 of them, you know, through some commercial company that makes puzzles, if I could get 10 made, I could try to sell them to see what, maybe, maybe if I make a dollar on each one. But when you, when you're small, it's just like, I also dismiss the idea because what I'm, I'm going to put myself through all this trouble to sell 10 puzzles, make a dollar on each one. Like, right. Okay. Like I got I got a real job that I can go spend that same amount of time in my real job, outperform my peers and get a better increase in doing the annual performance process. So uh it it it, it, it did not reveal itself to me to be a business worth investing time and resources into. It took a lot of iterations of ideas before I thought maybe this is something that could make money. Uh, and and that's still not obvious to me. It's, it, it, it's so thin that I'm optimistic, but it's not, it is not blatant to me that you keep this up and your X, X dollars uh, end up being a result uh, in profit. It, it's, it's all very thin. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, even the biggest companies, you know, Facebook, it took them five to 10 years to cut a profit. Amazon was putting everything back into it. So takes a while especially if you're building something that you're building something to last yeah and i i i believe in in, in divine inspiration as well so it, it some of this was i was wrestling with it in prayer and and i was being you know this idea kept me occurring in me but as i was running the numbers like i'm smart i got my mba like i'm running the numbers god i'm like god this is not making any money like well later for that like don't quit giving me an idea that don't make any money i got i got other things but he just kept man it just kept it was, so really out of a it's really more out of obedience um than insight that i could establish income i started mm-hmm. this puzzle company out of obedience to an idea that i think was divinely inspired um right but that but that's great whether it's a huge success or not i'm also very satisfied that this is not my company like this is God's company. If 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 I make four dollars, if I make four million dollars, exactly. it's his either way. So it, it's all good. I just got to be obedient until he tells me to stop. Amen to that. 
Now, when you first started, what what type of mas- well, you started a year ago, correct? Yeah, about a year and some change, probably uh, four, 14 months ago. Okay. So when you first started, what kind of mistakes were you making? And what things went well that made you say, you know what, I'm going to do more of that, and that's helping my business grow? Man, it's just every mistake that you, you don't even know the areas that you can make mistakes. Like, so you're making mistakes that you didn't even know existed as decisions for you to make. And then you discover this, you can make this decision and then you make it as a mistake. So just like early, just um, acquiring artists and supporting, just getting the illustrations done. So we, we, we low budget. I'm going on these freelance websites, man. I con- I, I con- contracted with a couple artists. They were international. So I thought, okay, this is a great price. Portfolio looks good, man. They sent me some art. This is really just clip art. It's man, they did they did cut and pasted together some clip art on the background, um, mm-hmm. and they, they they're so good at it that you know they, they, they I actually kind of just discovered a little bit of the process they might follow. But you know you, you can go to a real deep clip art library and piece together almost anything that somebody requests uh, right. if you just get all of the different little pieces that you could say, hey, you want a person who's standing on top of a lion running down the street. You know, you clip together enough clip art, you, you kind of create it with a deep library. So I was spending money, got the, re- but I didn't know. So I, when I got the artwork back, I thought, oh, this is it. I mean, I sent that thing to the printer, got to, you know, spend, spend some money. And then once I really dug into it and got a uh, better understanding that this is not original art, it's clip art, mm-hmm. and it's not a great product. And I'd already invested in inventory paid the illustrator they over in india somewhere some foreign countries like not somebody i could really necessarily seek a refund from so just low low balling on illustration uh, that that i had to learn that the hard way somebody sent me like some stick figures one time i paid this dude man he took forever taking two months somebody working all these details he said i got this thing back this is pretty much some stick figures right You're right so, so, so you learn, you learn, you learn some things along the way that, uh, yeah, help, help keep you humble in the process. Right. So in your selection process, what systems have you put in place or what have you done to make sure that you're picking a good artist now, or is it luck of the draw? Uh, Unless you're real resource, right? So if you if you got a big bank account, man, you can go after your big names, and, and there are um, since I'm since I'm in this thing, it, you you could go get Kadir Nelson as a you know as a premier children's illustrator. Um, but but if you if you don't have Kadir Nelson money, it, I think you inevitably you're going to have to learn some of it through trial and error. Um, but but it's okay. It's a, you, you learn you learn some lessons. Some of the best lessons are learned because you experienced it, uh, and it's not because someone told you um, the lesson. Right. But not but not the, uh, a better process in places. You know, don't don't order five images up front. Like let's start with one. Let, let's not commission five. Let, let let's go. Let's do a trial run. Um, also, be willing to if it didn't work out, just trash the image. Take it as a loss. I spent a couple hundred bucks on the drawing. Don't put it through the printer just be just because I pay for the drawing. Uh, be willing to just take the L on the illustration. You know, bend it for you know, for for the sake of experience, and don't just don't just print it because you're already mostly tied to the money you spend on having it drawn. Right, cut your losses. Yeah, yeah, cut cut your losses is probably a better way to describe it. 
So you had the images made, sent them to your printer, found a printer. How did you, what process did you go to find a printer? That, that, for that, that I tripped over myself several dozen times there. Um, so, so, man, I, I was trying everything. So between Google, man, I was ordering puzzles just to analyze the box to figure out if there was some printer markings. Like, how could I, if I just buy a bunch of puzzles and I examine the box, maybe somewhere the printer information is printed on this box somewhere. Uh, so between Google, buying puzzles, asking around, um, I went through several printers. First, domestic, which is eventually, to, I think with any product company, you, you're not going to have any margin until you're you're scaling at a level that you're able to kind of pull the cost down. So at the point where I was doing, you know, five or 10 puzzles, doing it domestically, but at a really high price point, hard to right. buy a puzzle, get it done for 20, think somebody's going to pay me $30 for a puzzle. Right. Not not a great way to um, scale a business, uh, but but eventually we worked our way through to international uh, printer. Okay, but even that had problems. I ordered a set of puzzles one time, and the pieces didn't even they wouldn't interlock with each other. They just kind of pushed up next to each other. But when you buy a puzzle, you think you know you put two pieces together that they kind of they lock together, not just sit next to each other. It so, was just kind of like those Chuck E. Cheese puzzles, huh? Yeah, man. So you you just learn all like I had no I had no idea the things that you could mess up until right. until I got it and it was messed up. And I just said, Wow, how much money was that? Right. Can't sell those. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, this is is nothing but your R and D. Yeah. You know, you have these companies that have billions of dollars of R&D budget, but once you get it right, it can really operate in perpetuity. Yeah, well, once you, my, my, my supply chain is all I have. Like, I, 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 I took the financial losses to kind of figure out how to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's the discovery. That, 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 that is the only thing um, that really puts me in the marketplace with any advantage. Right. And you in long term, you'll really amortize what you paid up front to learn it, you know, over a thousand to two thousand puzzles and the cost won't be as much then. Yeah, I hope so. That That's the, <laughs> that's that's what we hang this whole thing on is, you know, you, you can't play a two year game. You got to play it. You got to play a 10, 15, 20 year game. Yeah, I, I think it's it's about a 21 year thing when you when you look at something and it's something that you really want to do to gain some real success how you want to. I think it's about a 21 year thing. Yeah. And I'm hopeful. I got I, in my head one day there, there are kids graduating from college mm-hmm. playing with a puzzle that and, and they played with one of my puzzles when they were kids. So <laughs> one day there will be someone graduating from med school that played with a black doctor puzzle when they were a baby and it was my puzzle. And they meet you and you're the one that made, you know. Yeah, and you had the doctor puzzle. Like, I made those. <laughs> like, oh, you made and then, and then I had this whole thing and I could just, and I could, then I could, then I'll be happy. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a 20 year window, but that's what I'm hoping for one day is somebody come give me a hug and say, you know, I had one of your puzzles when I was five. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm a doctor. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I said, that's gonna take you about twenty one years. So yeah, but I'm here for it. I'm I'm gonna be around, man. Somebody when y'all when y'all get to medical school or your white coat ceremony, just shoot me an email and say I'm a, I'm a doctor. Thanks for that puzzle I had when I was two. You're right. What they get? They get a free puzzle. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when you had your babies, well, I will make sure your baby get the next doctor puzzle. You're right. You're right. Okay. So going back at that, 
how did you guys earn your first sale? And what was that like? Explain that. It's some something about getting that first sale. Okay, so we, we went online um, and we wanted to be very careful. I didn't want to get a, like a false sense of the market. So I, I didn't want to over um, appeal to like family and friends in my close network because they'll, they'll buy something just to be supportive. And, you know, I got my Howard network. My wife has her network. So we got people that just buy it. You know, whatever, whatever you guys are selling. Oh, cute. Well, just give us one. Uh, so, so I, I didn't want to index on that. I wanted to appeal to a cold marketplace just so I can get a real signal from the market, not a fake family. You know, don't, don't just prop me up because you, you guys are patting me on my back. Uh, so it, I, it didn't take long though. I, I posted on Facebook, posted on Instagram and, you know, those, um, networks were already establishing. I think, man, my, my line brother's probably my first purchases. So they just said, man, what's this dude doing? <laughs> He's selling some ballerina puzzles. So they, a couple of my line brothers bought one, you know, the ones that got kids. Uh, and then, but, but eventually we started to see, and this was fantastic, people that we didn't know that were buying things. Uh, so that that was like a big party. Like it was, so an order would come in. I would look at my wife. You know, you know, like Susan Johnson. Nah, I don't know Susan. You know Susan Johnson. I don't know her. And it was like this person doesn't know us, and they bought something. It's not somebody who goes to your mama's church. Uh, so uh, so again, it, it didn't take us long, but we were selling the products pretty low priced. Um, so within the first week, man, I probably had 10, 10, 12 sales or something like that. That's awesome, but those those first sales are intoxicating. Do you have it where it, where it pops up on your phone? No, my phone doesn't. Uh, but I, I certainly the, the apps are there. I could check it on my phone, uh, but it but it doesn't necessarily activate my phone when when sales are coming in. Okay, okay. Now let's let's go back a little bit. Who made your website? Did you make your own website and, and my, you knew how to do it? My whole thing is set up on, on Shopify. So there's a couple big platforms. I have a big cartel of Shopify. It's, it's one of the, I, I couldn't quote advantages or disadvantages be, between, you know, the, the biggest e-commerce platforms. But, you know, I had to, I had to pick one. Uh, so I, I did a little little research and said, okay, we'll, we'll use Shopify. Uh, and and, and they, it's fairly intuitive and entry-level capable so I, I don't have html capabilities it, those, those those things are designed for new people that want to pop up a e-commerce site and they, they make it pretty simple with templates and stick some images in there and you're, you're pretty much ready to go shopify is so robust yeah i'm sure there's some advanced usage of capabilities we're, we're not i'm not web designing man i'm just using the templates putting some pictures in there and hope, hoping it looks you know pretty clean on on the user end uh and that's how yeah. 99% of people are doing it. And that's what makes Shopify so good because it makes that user have the ability to set up and sell pretty much within minutes. Yeah, mere minutes. It's credit card activated, PayPal. I'm sure they're taking some Google Pay. Yeah, it, 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 it does all that work for you. So you just got to have a product, market it, and, and, and you know, invest in some quality of image. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Sh- Shopify has worked for us at least for the the size that we are now. I don't know if we'll bump into upper limit, but they're 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 advanced. I'm sure I could layer in at an additional subscription level and get more advanced capabilities out of it if if needed. Yeah, you could be, you know, Shopify Plus, and you know, you start paying in that three four hundred dollars a month, and that's ex- that's a lot when it comes to e-commerce. But when you look at what 
it would cost to be able to do what you do retail wise. And you're saying if anybody would go open a store and their store would have $400 rent, <laughs> you know, it would be a huge win for you. Yeah. So, so that's why it's starting to get harder for these commercial spaces to lease to anyone because one, everybody's doing things online and just the economics don't even out when you start talking about two and $3,000 worth of rent and you have to be locked in for three years. So that's 36 grand a year times your three. So you're talking about over a hundred grand over three years just to have a place before you sell anything. You know, it's just e-commerce you set up and you said you had something going within a week and you built it yourself, you know, so it's, you can see why retail is dying in the way it is. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, just have a unique draw like your Apple store where people just want to come in there or something about target. There seems to be something where target and there's something about shopping at target where people just want to go just to browse. Uh, but unless you, you know, unless you've created that kind of experience, yeah, retail is getting harder and harder to be, to do. Right. Exactly. So you set up your website, you're ready to go. You post it on Facebook and Instagram. Um, when you first set up profiles on Facebook and Instagram, how did you get going? Like, what were, what were your first posts? Uh, so pr- primarily on Instagram. And then we uh, realized that we, we also need to play on Facebook as well because it's different audiences, different, uh, I think, mindset when you're playing it. And then, and then the reshare capability on Facebook is fantastic. People reshare. It's, it's, it's so clickable to reshare. Uh, but we, we started on Instagram. And my first post was picture of a puzzle but if you if i go back and look at my first 10 posts it, it's so pathetic i i thought i was just going to walk around the city take a puzzle to the grocery store take one to the gym take it just everywhere i'm going to take a picture of a puzzle every place i was going to be at and, and i was in my head that was marketing but that so my first man i got a picture of a puzzle sitting on some apples at the grocery store like <laughs> as, if, as if that is like the image is like a lifestyle and people now want to participate in, in what i'm communicating a puzzle sitting on some apples at the store uh, but we got better we got we got better but the beat my, my first couple of posts were just pictures of puzzles in different places because um, that's that's all i had learned how to offer um in terms of communicating to an audience uh but we've laid on to more, much more interesting things at this point. Okay. okay. So you got a couple uh, rolling in. Were these just organic posts or were these um, paid uh, advertisements? Probably for the first month we were uh, all organic. Um, but this is my, my learning curve because I'm because at the same time in a parallel, like I'm, I'm studying entrepreneurship, digital marketing, you know, Facebook, Instagram. I'm, I'm reading the blogs, uh, listening to the podcast. Like, so, so I'm, I'm being a, I'm, I'm a student of, of this new consumer experience while attempting to launch a company. So 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 you get to develop some courage. Um, so let, let's let's make this a business account. Let's mm-hmm. let's spend five dollars in advertising and see what happens. So, you know, mm-hmm. I put my little five dollars in there. Uh, Facebook, that that endorphin release. You got to be. I had to learn to be careful um, and really thoughtful about about ad spending because mm-hmm. you can pay to get people to like your stuff, and and the likes are addictive. Um, yeah. But like likes isn't selling a product though. So you need to sure. you need to carefully discern what's a like versus a website visit versus mm-hmm. a purchase, and what that 
if if you're driving interest at a level where people might buy something, or if you just sure. put cute things up that people like, and, and you're paying ads to get more likes, but that's not really creating revenue for your company. Yeah, because a lot of people are trading on potential reach and potential interaction instead of the metric of how many people visited, how many people bought, and then we start looking at the the art and the creative of what got people to get here where they bought and our conversion rate is between one and three percent. Okay, how do we get that to five percent or how do we take it from half a percent to one percent? Yeah. So so if you think of like top down, right? First, first, I want you to like it. Like, that's fantastic. We, we love everybody that showed enough interest to hit that like button. Like, wonderful, beautiful, wonderful people. Uh, but, you know, after like, if I can get you to follow, uh, that, that's even better. Because um, then you might visit the website or comment on a picture. And if I get you to visit the website or comment on a picture, maybe, maybe you bump into a sale one day. You know, Christmas is coming. And then, and then that's compelling enough for you, for you to, now let's make an investment and buy something. So you... You got to be careful not to only pay for ads and achieve likes without thinking these additional layers that are going to help sustain your company. And so you advertised on Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, uh, and probably wrongly in the beginning. I'm sure we weren't doing, you know, very thoughtful targeting or, um, but, you know, you, you got to get in there. You, you got to do it. To, you can't just read about it. You, you got to go out there and run some ads before you ever figure, identify a real tangible strategy. And there's so many headline readers that, you know, that know nothing about Facebook ads or, you know, Instagram ads and may run it for, put $20 into it and it doesn't work for them. And then they just run away from it and don't do it again. Yeah. And like, like you said, when you first start, you're not going to know anything about it, but, you still put without us, without knowing anything when you first started, you still got impressions, you still got interactions, and you still made sales from those ads. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's all I got. I, I, I'm not going to print something in the yellow pages. I can, these, are, these are the only ways I can reach the people uh, that will be interested in the products that we offer. It's the, it, I, don't, I don't have another tool, so, so I needed to figure out how to make these work. Mm-hmm. Have you tried Instagram story ads yet? No, my wife is a little. Well, it's interesting because it, I have, yeah, I'm part of this husband and wife team. She she has some social media acumen, especially in the the women's uh, perception of interaction with social media and kind of the tools that are you know, fun for mothers. I don't I don't really post stories, nor do I look at anybody's stories. So my wife more drives if there's going to be an interaction in stories, because she knows how to put the emojis in the caption. Like she knows how to make it fun. Uh, right. we, we haven't run a lot of ads other than auto placement. So we, we probably certainly have some ads that probably through the, the auto placement mechanism, but not, not intentional story ads. Right. And those story ads, they're just, they're so cheap right now. They're at like $5 CPMs. Okay. So it's, you know, so it's, it's something, to, something to take a look at. I'm always looking at where attention is shifting to and stories has, has taken over, uh, especially if you start driving a lot, of, a lot of traffic to yours, different people start to see your, see your stories and then people start getting used to seeing stories. And then if you target it to the right people, maybe a followers of you that 
have that interact with stories on a consistent basis. And now you're getting a thousand people to see it for five bucks. You know, it, it may do something. I'm, I'm really bullish on Instagram story ads and, um, and podcast advertisement too, because podcast advertisement is so cheap because there's so many out there. But the people that are listening to podcasts are kind of deep into that. And you can pretty you can advertise for pretty cheap on there. So I'm always looking for where it's attention and where it's cheap. <laughs> so your HBCU grad is not a a it limited to organic growth. Do you also also actually pay for um, social media ads to grow to grow your following? We haven't paid for any social media ads. Okay. We've mostly we've mostly run influencer campaigns. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, but what we do sometimes is run ads to sell T-shirts and hoodies, merch. Yeah, okay. So I've been doing that for a while. And when I look back, I've been running Facebook ads for a while, probably 2013 or 2014, I was. I looked back and I was getting like seven cent clicks. And if I knew what I know now, I would have put, just kept on, you know, just it into it i didn't know how good we have it so you know now it's, it's up to dollar clicks now because you know it's getting saturated especially on facebook yeah yeah it, anybody's feed either if you follow the right things or click on enough hbcu related content you, you're going to get targeted with a bunch of apparel ads if facebook knows that you're interested in hbcu which going to associate itself with hbcu apparel and, and uh-huh. here come the ads and and it turns it kind of turns you more into a commodity instead of being a brand and you've built a brand you know we we're we're building a brand how did what did you think about when naming uh puzzle huddle puzzle huddle it wasn't not now that I'm a year into it it wasn't quite as tough it, it's not it's not very inspirational i i knew the product that i wanted to produce and, and offer to the world i didn't have some inspirational experience on, on, on regarding the name i wanted to Invoke something that is, was associated with family groups of people getting together, like togetherness associated with um, that that time and, and quality time with a group of people. Uh, so, so the result of that was puzzle huddle, but uh, it, it wasn't through a robust creative process or you know taking a walk in the woods one day and then it just hit me. It I, I more had I was bottomed out on the product. Now I, I need to I need a title for this company because I'm ready to go. So, so it. it through some quick brainstorming in the kitchen, you know, brought some ideas on my wife. That that's what stuck, and that's what we ran with. And I think it's a I think it's a great name because it's memorable. Yeah, we. I wanted at, at the point where I was ready to go. Like I, I'm, I'm ready to go. So I need I need a name because uh-huh. I think the real substance is is the product. So what what we were going to call the company. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm in love with these puzzles. So call call the puzzles, you know, call the kick puzzle, swift puzzle, puzzle huddle. You know, it, we, we're selling puzzles with African-American faces. So I can't call it African-American faces puzzle. But that that was that was what I was biting on to. Uh, not necessarily a company name. Right. And, you know, so it kind of it kind of stands out. And I think the. Uh, with it rhyming, it helps, too. Because I like one of my favorite names is Bed Bath and Beyond. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you get a little alliteration there, and it makes it yeah, right. You get that alliteration, and it starts to bounce around in your phonological loop. And once it starts to bounce there, is you start to have that 
recall like you have for different songs that play and things like that yeah it's super memorable that yeah you know yeah you don't have to think hard to recall that right and that's and that's not an easy thing out here and then making sure that the um that the dot com was available, the Instagram was available. Did you go through that process before you settled on a name? Yeah, so it was, but there weren't a lot of puzzled. I, I was able to pretty quickly get to a, a naming uh, convention that was available. Uh, and I think through Shopify, that's how we established the domain name and, and pay whatever fee there is to, to keep ownership of the, of the domain name. So you advertise via Facebook, Instagram ads. How else do you advertise? Instagram, Facebook. I'm, I'm also on P- Pinterest uh, and Twitter very lightly. Uh, our primary places are going to be uh, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter is almost inactive, but I do own the account name associated with, with my company. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to increase our uh, focus and energy that we put in Pinterest because that, that is a place for I discovered, I didn't know this up front, but the, the type of product that we offer it traditionally is going to be purchased by the, the mother uh, of children or the mother in the home. Uh, so, so that is a place where mothers um, spend time browsing products and, and considering things that they're interested in. So we, we, we do want to play a bit a stronger hand on Pinterest. Right. When you advertise, do you uh, target moms of a certain age or do you advertise the men and women? Well, we have lots of targeting. Uh, and so so at, at certain points, yes. Uh, but we, we also don't like to consider ourselves limited to uh, mothers because surrounding a, a mother in, in a child development experience, you, you're going to have a grandmother. You're going to have some line sisters. Yeah, you got to have some church mothers. You're going to have sisters of the mom, the, the, the bridesmaids that, you know, so. Only, only uh, um, offering our products to the mother will be a huge miss, and we, we won't we won't get that cool auntie uh, that you know just likes to buy things because her you know her brother sister has a child and she's just going to buy stuff. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Right. <laughs> okay. When so you also advertise with influencers correct yeah we do quite a quite a bit with influencers and and thank goodness we've kind of fallen into the niche on instagram and it's really a fantastic network of um young um diverse mothers that you know post and share and um offer insight and you know insight into their experience as a mom and, and share the things that they're doing their habits it, it it's a wonderful community on instagram like one like it's fantastic Mm-hmm. So how do you set it up? How do you come in? Do you just DM people and ask their rates? Do you uh, email people? What do you offer them to post? Do you pay? How does all that work? All, all, all of the above. Um, it, sometimes they're, I like to even, if someone is very active on our account and they're always liking and commenting and they participate with us and I, and I know that they, I don't recognize them as having previously been a customer, um, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to someone like that. Very often, our, our customers are because it's because we're we're marketing an experience and a very important idea. So people that purchase from us are often willing to, to post a picture un, unincentivized. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're we're very fortunate in that regard. Um, but it, but I think it's because we're we're appealing to an idea more than we're 
it's not just it's not just a puzzle. If it was that simple, then it, it wouldn't work. It would it wouldn't be that important. Uh, but we're 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 trying to offer inspiration, uh, affirming people in their their hair texture, their skin tone. We're affirming education, high achievement, and when and when we offer that to a family, sometimes it's just so meaningful. It's meaningful to us. Uh, so sometimes yeah. it's meaningful to the family in a way that they're they're, they're going to post because of the ideas. That pick pick a product is it's the ideas that they want to communicate to the world. Uh, so sometimes we're able to benefit from that as well. Yeah, having shareable and postable content is is ideal. So you have a satisfied customer and you have a shareable and postable content. You they're the biggest evangelists you could ever you could ever find. Yeah, and 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 they don't they don't have to do it. So we have to believe that. There, there's something connecting there where they, they, they perceive the world like we do. What's important to us is also important to them um, because they're, they're, they're willing to do it without, without a nudge from me, a DM, or say, hey, remember that? Can you post a picture? No, this is... But that, that's the benefit of participating in the community, sharing um, and, and, and offering ideas to the world instead of just, you know, I got this puzzle. This four ninety five is on sale. Buy one. That I, I don't think that's very compelling at all. Right, right. I agree. I agree. Now, when you first started, I know I'm pretty obviously you were at zero followers. Last I checked, you were over what twenty one thousand. Yeah, that, it's um we we've done well, uh, but it, it it's it's a mixed bag of strategy, right? So it, it's 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 thoughtful. This is I'm not, I I don't I'm no longer in a position where it's. I'm just trying to see what happens. Uh, we put a lot of thought and care into our social media strategy. Uh, so it's, it's a combination of organic, paid uh, marketing, influencer. Uh, it, it, it's all of those things. It's, it's the whole bag of what you should apply to. If you want to um, share your message with a, with, a, with a bigger group of people, you want to probably use five or six things uh, and combine all those into a strategy to help uh, create more awareness for, for your products. I don't think enough. I think one. I think too many people put organic on a pedestal. On a pedestal. Yeah, not, uh, not, <laughs> not, not if you have a goal. It, it, if you just posting because you like to post, maybe. But no, but no. I, I have I have business goals, and I need mm-hmm. to achieve my business goals. So, if yeah. it, I can't, I can't wait on organic to service my business goals. If there's another tool, if I can use paid advertising to support the business goal to, to the degree that I can finance it. I got to go paid advertising mm-hmm. and the world treats you a certain way. Once you, you know, if you're just a person posting, but once there's some insight that you're a business, I think the world interacts with you differently. Uh, so if I'm just a guy running around with my kids, I think I would naturally just accumulate some following because, you know, guy with his kids. Uh, but no, once once they notice that, wait, there's also some for sale here. Uh, I th- I think the th- think the world reacts to that differently. Um, right. So so I no we 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 don't rely on organic to achieve our business goals. We we I don't have I don't have enough time to wait for that. Right, right. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what's the biggest difference you've seen from having two or three thousand followers to being over twenty thousand followers? Um, man, just I just love it for one. So the more people I can communicate with, yeah, the more moms and dads and families and 
people in now that we got a little international so you know, shout out to canada and i'm getting likes from jamaica and australia so we, we just love it man reaching more of the black diaspora is fantastic so uh, the, the the more of it the better uh for us in, in terms of everyday interaction i don't actually notice or experience it that differently we, we, we do try to be very um thoughtful in, in terms of interacting with people and liking and commenting and responding to posts and you know then going out and participating with our followers on their accounts and you know saying saying hi to them on their accounts because it's not just about our account we want to tell you how cute your kids are too because you got cute babies just like we got cute kids um so we try to we try to um pl- interact with the community um consistently uh, so that we're not just it's not just come look at us we want to come look at you too and talk about you know, the, the the art project or the science project you did with your kids. Like, okay, you, you guys made slime on Thursday. Cool. Like, cool slime project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but big, bigger, hopefully, also supports our business goals. But the more the more people I can meet and interact with, I just, I just love the people. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun meeting new and uh, a wider range of people. Yeah. It's almost like that's the new superpower, being able to pull your phone out your pocket and you have a potential reach of, you know, billions of people on these networks. So between organic and page, you can theoretically reach anybody in the world. Yeah, and, and it's big, but it's small. The the hundred people that interact with our account the most frequently, I know the names and I, I know the families like, OK, that's. That's that's Susan. She got three kids. Oh, that's that's Tara. She actually got four kids. I can show my wife. This is Tara. Tara got four. So it's 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 big, but it's also small. Like oh, this is the person that does the this and the this, and she's got the homeschool. Oh, and this is the one she took her kids to Australia. Um, right. So it's it the bigger it gets, it it also it is not it does not trample upon the small. It, there's a core group that I just know. Like I interact with them so much on Instagram. Like the the what the point you made in the beginning about no. I know your dad reads to you because I watch it on Instagram every day. Like, to whatever truthfulness exists on Instagram, to some degree, I know some of these families. I, I watch, I see them post every day. Okay. And you can't, you can't, you, you, it's a picture, so it's not the whole story, but you posting every day. It's, it's a, quite a bit of your life story. Right. And I think you can go so deep, and you guys go extremely deep because. And what I like the most about how you all post is that you can tell it's organic and it's real and it's authentic and it's how you all communicate normally. You're preaching excellence. It's always quality pictures. It's not overly salesy. Well, it's not really salesy at all. And then you take the time to perfect the caption, usually post it at a good time, and like you say, you know your top 100 people. So that means that you're interacting with the DMs and the comments and that type of thing. And I think a lot of people that are running businesses, they don't understand how important it is to respond to every comment because the qualitative data that you get, like you're saying, knowing so-and-so has four kids, this person has this type of child. When you go back into your process of making ads as also as making new products you're going to have the quantitative data on who bought what and what people are like and where you probably do a pop-up shop 
because a lot of your customers come from that. And then you have all your qualitative data telling you what type of things people are into, what they're looking for, what their moods are. And that's extremely important. So you put the quantitative and the qualitative and then use that to direct your creative. You can really take your brand to another level. Yeah, and it, it's a process. So we, we try to communicate what's very real to us. I, I hadn't mentioned before, but my wife has a PhD um, and I have three degrees from Howard. So we're like hyper uh, like educate, like we 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 both fell in love with college, like to to an extreme, because we both have three degrees. And so, so what you see us communicating is just like our our truth is education right. through through a, an established higher education institution. That like that is what's true and meaningful to us. So when we communicate a lot of higher ed stuff, it's because, and that's 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 a core value for us. We 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 really enjoyed. We met in grad school, um, and we enjoy school. Exactly. But but if our, our captions, we, the, the awesome process I've run with my wife is I I don't take take the time to spell or 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 use excellent grammar, but my wife with her edit, editorial uh, capabilities, we're we're both logged in. So I post and then she goes in and fixes everything I didn't do right in, ter- in terms of grammar. She told me the other day that I needed to put an Oxford comma in something. And I just said, oh, "What are you woman? Like, you quit cursing at me, talking about to put an Oxford comment. And I was like, nah, babe. Nah, nah. You, you logged into that. Go ahead and get your Oxford comment on, babe. Just take Yeah, you, you ninja that thing up. Go, go Oxford comma. So, we, yeah, if, if everything, if anything is ever spelled right, it's because my wife is logged on to the account and I'm logged on to it. So, we, we kind of partner in our skill sets uh, to, to produce good information. What is an Oxford comma? I couldn't tell you today, man. She's look, some of semicolons, colons, man. Right, you, man. I, I just, I just try to get a post up wherever she's at. She, she fixes it. She's like, but you didn't put the this supposed to have an S on. I'm like, hey, babe, that's why you logged in there. Go do your thing. Help, help, help. Sell me, save me from the from the grammar police. Right. It's probably a place where a sentence. Where it could be a period, but it's still the same thought. So you can put an Oxford comma and allow it to be one sentence. Probably that's my yeah yeah. I'm 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 fortunate that I have the spots that I have because it it's it's uh, for the for the work that we're doing. It's it's a fantastic partnership. Right. That that's awesome. Now, how is that working with your spouse? What's your system, and how do you guys set it up? where you have certain times where you're going to work other times where you're not going to talk about work or is it kind of intertwined? Well, uh, entrepreneurship, as I know it, it's every moment of the day. It, it, it is not abs- it, it is present every moment. There, there aren't any moments where it's okay. Now we're not doing the puzzle thing. It's, 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 it's every, and, and, and then we got to reintroduce this concept of three young kids, five, three and one years old. So, we got a right. parent. These kids got to eat, got to get to bed, got to do some homework, got to eat dinner, get up, take showers, wipe, brush teeth. They, they they lose their shoes just like every other kid. They don't eat the food you prepare for. You cook all this food and they want Cheerios. So we so we got to right. de- deal deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. We got to be married. You got to pay some bills. You know, talk about our jobs a little bit. But other than that, the 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 constant is, and we got to and we're got to get these orders out tonight so somebody we try to divide and you know it break out the work but it's pretty organic i, I got banned from packing orders because 
know, two orders got out that had the wrong puzzles in customer email, and and they're, they're right, okay. So, so I'm sorry, I, I I apologize. I mailed you the wrong puzzle. So after that happened twice, I got banned from um, being able to pack orders. So not so right. right now, my wife is currently doing most of this shipping. Um, okay, and I coordinate a number of the the uh, the other things. Okay, and and most policies are are sprung about because different mistakes happen. Yeah, it's all she and the customer. Man, I, I love our because our customers they're fantastic, but often they're going to they're ordering for a birthday. Um, so I get an order Tuesday, Wednesday is for a birthday party on Saturday. If I send you the wrong mm-hmm. thing, you're upset and, and rightfully so. I send you a girl puzzle. You plan to go to a boy birthday party. Now you get this mm-hmm. thing on Friday. It it is not matched the gender that you intended to, to so so right rightfully upset. Um, mm-hmm. So once we got two or three of those emails, um, my, we just made a team decision. Okay, bro, you you fall back out of the shipping, <laughs> and <laughs> we'll 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 cover that a different way. You do all the other things you, that need to be done. Right. Wow. But the, but the truth is, it's entrepreneurship. I'm 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 packing orders at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm still right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, that is the other truth is these boxes were packed between two and three a.m. and there's a good chance I was asleep while doing it. Right. So. Right. Uh, but the, but 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 our customers deserve excellence and we want to we want to participate in providing excellent service. So uh, we'll we'll take the L, apologize and, and um, correct it every time and, and try to be very uh, polite and ask for forgiveness in the process. Right, that makes sense. And it, and it's never the mistake; it's always the cover up. So if you don't take responsibility for it, that's where your issues come in. Yeah, and we man, I just love our customers. If if I, I just I just believe in the whole idea. So it's if you if you were thoughtful enough to put you know, your hard earned money and for, you know enter into a system where we we now uh, have custody of some money that you earned in your job, like I just owe you. So we'll we'll fix it. it. You 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 were thoughtful enough to take a risk on a you know a black business that you saw online and you know and give us a chance and you 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 paid your your hard earned money to buy something like you you owe we owe you so we'll we'll, we'll get it fixed. Right, right, and that makes a lot, makes a lot of sense. Now, in running the business, what type what type of KPIs, what type of key performance indicators are you looking at? Are you looking at sales? Are you looking at Instagram growth? Are you looking at visitors? What are you, what what are your key performance? Well, you know, in, in the beginning, if if I sold a puzzle that day, like that was like party time. Like we was putting on music, and we was going, we was we was doing it, man. Like we sold a puzzle. Don't let us sell two puzzles, make twenty dollars in a day. Like we like that was like dinner was turned up. Like <laughs> so, but it it, it it matures from there. So. Sales are important. Um, we don't obsess obsess about it because I'm playing I'm playing a long game. So it's so seeding some uh, product samples is is just going to erode our profitability. But I think over the long term it's worth it because if I if I can offer a puzzle to you for your two year old, it's a good chance you may come back for your when your child's three or four. You may come mm-hmm. back again when they're six. So. It, so we we do sacrifice some profitability, some margin for for long term vision and support for the company. So so sales, interaction, comments, uh, Instagram following, 
uh, how many posts or how many people are, are posting about our products online. Um, total sales for the day. It, you know, m- most most toy companies, you really play, um, you build up to Christmas is what, to some degree what you're going to do all year is you, you get ready for Christmas. Um, so then Christmas is, is kind of the reckoning for the industry there. We're, we're selling something that would be associated with the toy market. Right, right. So where do you see uh, Puzzle Huddle in the future? Uh, well, hope, hopefully it continues to get traction, man. We, we, we'll, we'll, we'll do well as long as we're offering things that people consider to be valuable and useful. Um, and just the opportunity to, to, to exist in someone's home, to sell something that people would warmly invite into their home and put in front of their kids. It's just a fantastic, rewarding experience. Uh, so just, just more of that. Uh, we we want to be a little more diverse in our product offering than we currently 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 are. So we started very African American brown skin uh, because that was the nearest thing to to who we were as people. Um, but, but 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 the world is bigger than that, and we want to appeal to uh, some other uh, groups that are also diverse. So you know Hispanic, uh, back to that Black diaspora. You know there's some nuance about being West Indian, Jamaican. A Trinidadian or Nigerian Ghanaian that we also want to uh, appeal to those niches because those are niches that the big properties aren't going to appeal to. Uh, and then, and then even in the American home, there's, there's mixed families. So I get a lot of emails about I'm in a mixed marriage. My, my kid is a little bit of uh, both of these things. So, it, so we want products that kind of represent what, what, what a combination of things might be. Uh, so we, so we want to offer more, variety in terms of diversity um, and then digging into these careers. There, there's a lot of people that email us about you know, every, every career on the planet um, uh, hoping that we'll design a puzzle associated with that career. Uh, so there's just a lot of ground to cover there. And how do you decide what you're gonna what you're gonna make? Is it based off of how many people have requested it? Do you look and see how much, how big the market is? How do you, what process do you guys go through to decide well, we started STEM, even though neither my wife or I have STEM careers. We started STEM because there, there, there was a macroeconomic emphasis on STEM. So we, we wanted to participate in, you know, what, what are other companies and organizations spending, um, investing in. So we, we, we want to participate in, in, in the grants and the corporate buys and the and, 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 and educational investments. And a lot of it was STEM. Uh, so, so we wanted to start there just to help us you know get get some lift off the ground uh but then you know i got i have to appeal to my life experience so there there will be some and my, my wife paints so we're going to do some art things and uh music and then the service careers are important so the fireman and uh police officer and we just want it, it it's, it's it's quite hard to decide because the list is long <laughs> there, there there's a very long list and it, it's it's really hard um prioritizing what what comes next because there's just hundreds of things to do. Right. Which is a good thing because, you know, you continue to have opportunities to grow and diversify yourself. Yeah. And we, and just to survive as a company, we, we, we have to appeal to the trends. We, we need to, whatever the, whatever the economic trend or the interest trend is in the, in the country, uh, just to make sure we, we make it, uh, we, we kind of have to align ourselves to some degree with the trends just to get, that that social capital that everybody else is doing x so we you know we want to play into that so if it, everybody gets excited about um 
you know, hidden figures and um, that NASA uh, math major concept, like everybody was in that. So we need to play into that as well. Um, so, right. so, if, so if something pops up in pop culture that, that really becomes uh, dynamic, uh, we, we have a responsibility to, to join in. Right. That's, that's, that's smart. Now we didn't we didn't touch on your children much, but I have one question before we end here. Okay, where your children have to go to an HBCU? That so no, nobody told me what college to go to, so I'm not going to do that. But it's going to be hard for them to because I'm going to just make it so attractive, um, right? So they 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 could choose otherwise, but I'm emotionally I'm just going to create a, a context where it's going to be hard for them to have made a choice to do something different. Is but, it going to be through exposure? Yeah. But my, but my, you know, kids, kids, it, it is best when they're able to chart their own destiny in life. So if something happens and, you know, for some reason they wanted, they just obsessed with, you know, pick, pick another school because so-and-so professor or program is there and they want to do like, okay, okay. Right. Your, your life is yours. The, the world changes. Um, so yeah, I I don't expect to partition or overly uh, direct my kids, uh, but you know, it's, it's, we're gonna shop for scholarship money and, and and make a good decision at the time. All right. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me, Matthew. Like our conversation was enlightening to me. I'm pretty sure our listeners are gonna learn a lot. Uh, you're they're gonna you know go check out Puzzle Huddle because I'm really impressed with. One, your, your, your social reach. Two, how you aren't scared to try things. You're on the offense as far as with your influencer campaign. And then if that doesn't work, hey, I'm going to, you know, do something else. You're extremely uh, responsive. I love the really high-level imagery that you guys put out. Uh, it's, you know, it's really good. I think you guys are going to go extremely far. But the last thing I want to ask you, and – you'll get a chance to ask our listeners whatever you want. It can be about Puzzle Huddle. It can be about um, Nipsey Hustle. It can be about any something that you're just – a cereal that you just discovered that uh, people are eating or why your kids are only watching YouTube and they won't watch TV in the future. You have your, your your chance to ask the question of the day. What would you like to ask our listeners that can give you some type of feedback? Oh, that, that cool opportunity. I, I wanted to ask you this, but maybe I'll just kind of pivot it and ask in terms of what 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 products do your users notice or your list your your followers notice on HBCU grad? I, I expect that a lot of them notice when apparel uh, pops up. But are there any other products that appear uh, in the feed associated with HBC grad that that your listeners and followers think that those products are interesting? That's a good question. What what catches your eye in the HBC? The, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. So again, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, we really appreciated this. Uh, tell everyone how they can get in touch with. So puzzlehuddle.com, puzzle, P-U-Z-Z-L-E, huddle like football huddle. So puzzlehuddle.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, hopefully very robustly soon on Pinterest and Twitter. But uh, for starters, man, if you come uh, talk to me on Instagram, I would really appreciate it. All right. 
Thanks again, Matthew, and you have a good day. All right, take care. Before you take off, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the HBCU Audio Expanse. We really appreciate it, and the feedback that we've gotten so far has been helpful. If you want to stay in touch with us even deeper uh, with our content, what we do is produce an email probably every 10 days, every 10 to 14 days. And it succinctly puts everything that we've done over the last week or two in one place with news and a couple other deep things. So go to hbcugrads.com and sign up for our email newsletter. You'll appreciate what we put into our email newsletter. Again, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.